Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Seeing Red. A UK true crime podcast. What, what have I told you about that? Yeah, but I love it and it's Christmas, so I'm going to say it. Okay, I'll let you off on this one occasion only. <laughs> so we have something special for you this week. It's um, nearly Christmas, so Woo! we Woo! will each be telling you about a case. And they were both supposed to be Christmas related. They, no, they, but they are both Christmas related, aren't they? No. Yours might be. Why is yours not Christmas? <laughs> because I couldn't, I couldn't really find anything that was fitting. Oh, you had one job, Mark. I know this took me long enough. I've sort of agonised over this for bloody hours. Mm. It took a long time to research. And Trying it's quite to get a short the sympathy case. vote now. Yeah. Um, if you do want to hear me regale you with a Christmassy crime, then you can head over to Twisted Britain. That's true, that was Christmassy. And that is a case about a guy called Alan Holmes who was murdered at home in Soho. I think it was Soho, Camden Town. That was such a sad case, that was awful, really harrowing. He was tied to the bed in his own flat on Christmas Day and Mm. stayed there for 10 days without food or water and died. So that was a really, really sad case. It was probably the most harrowing case we've ever covered. Yeah, I'd agree on that. Um, so yeah, it does have a Christmas theme, but so oh, so our listeners can go listen to that. Yeah, but at least that go yeah, go listen to Twisted Britain because it was a really good episode. Yeah, it was the kind of other half to our crossover that we did a few episodes ago. We really enjoyed working yeah, with them. Actually, they were didn't really we? Good. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have some more collaborations coming up in 2019. I know. I hope so. We've had two this year, which is really exciting. So that was good fun. Well, my case is going to be Christmas related. So well, shall something. we finish on mine? So we finish on a Christmassy theme? We'll finish on yours and I'll go first. Okay. Um, before we launch into my case, um, we aren't going to have an episode next week. So we have said on social yeah. media, um, but because our release date is Wednesday, that would be Boxing Day. Uh, so we just kind of decided to have a break yeah. of a week. We hope you understand, guys, but we want to eat our weight in Quality Street and drink our weight in Bailey's, basically. Mm, definitely Bailey's. <laughs> Neither yeah. of us should be driving around that time. No, we definitely won't be. And we'll be back to normal on 2nd of January for our New Year bonanza. Mm-hmm. So this week, then, um, I'm going to be telling you the story of how one woman's life was brought to a tragic end at the hands of a man whose actions were described by the judge at his trial as breathtakingly wicked. It's a case that takes a look at the world inhabited by high-class escorts, a world where money and danger are present in equal measure. Sounds incredibly exciting already. Sounds glamorous, the world of high-class escorts, yeah. Um, So to her friends and family, Carol Woff was a successful businesswoman who enjoyed an enviable lifestyle as a former international oil executive. To her clients, she was an escort, offering the genuine girlfriend experience. To say Carol led an interesting life would be an understatement. It was a double life. A life that would come to a tragic end when she was murdered in her central London home in April 2012 at the age of 49. So who was Carol Woff? Well, that is a good question. And it's a question I think that even her closest family would probably struggle to answer. We know that she was born in County Durham in 1963. The daughter of a colliery electrician, she left school with limited qualifications and then worked in a low-level role at the Department of Social Security. Carol's family have described her as loving, proud and fun-loving. Partial to luxury goods, somewhat preoccupied with money, she was single and independent and had lived on her own since moving out of the family home in her early 20s. 
At the age of 25, Carol moved to London and very little is known of her until 13 years later when, in 2000, she got a job in Libya with MSL Oil Services where she worked for the next eight years. Whilst working in Libya, she was, according to some of her former colleagues, rather more forthcoming about her lifestyle than she was with her family. Reports say she told colleagues that she regularly hobnobbed with film stars and owned a Harley (laughs) Davidson motorbike and a flat near Harrods. I just enjoyed hobnobbed. (laughs) I I couldn't think of another term, actually, for that. It's good enough. I like that she was a biker chick. Biker chick, yeah, a bit like you. I like that. A bit like you. So she wore a large diamond engagement ring and a wedding band and referred to her late husband, although there is no record of her ever having been married. Ooh, so she's really, like, putting on this persona. She she is, yeah. I think she's a bit of a Walter Mitty character. Mm. So we know that Carol left Libya in 2008 when she returned to London. A former boss told journalists that she had written to him saying that she had had to flee Libya after receiving threats. And Carol had boasted of a close friendship with various members of the Gaddafi family in Libya. Yeah. Wow. So perhaps there is some truth in the claim Mm -hmm. that she did have to go. Once back in the UK, there is no evidence to suggest Carol worked in any official capacity. Her LinkedIn profile goes silent from this time and although she had described herself as an oil executive, this was in fact an exaggeration. On her LinkedIn profile, she was more honest, listing her occupation with MSL Oil Services as office slash finance manager. And one woman who worked with her for some years told the Daily Mail that her salary was just £24,000 when she worked in Libya. So not a bad salary, certainly for Mm. the time, but a £24,000 salary does not an oil executive make. No, and it's nothing to scoff at, but it's also, you can tell that she was definitely lying about her stuff, which could make sense as to why if she was getting threats and stuff, and that's why she left the country, because she's just lying to everyone about everything. I guess so, but from the research I've done, you just get the impression that she was someone who really wanted to make out that her life was a lot more interesting Mm. than it was. But really, as we'll come on to see, it was still a really interesting life. Yeah, that's sad, isn't it, when people don't feel like their lives are as interesting as other people then might think. It is, but usually that goes back to something in Mm. childhood, whether they were bullied or had a shit mum or something. Oh, Yeah. Went went quite dark there. That went really dark, yeah. It's going to get darker with this one as well. So, um, although we don't know for sure, it is perhaps safe to assume that Carol had been working as an escort since her return from Libya in 2008. And I would assume that she was, one, very successful, and two, that she worked as a high-class escort. Because at the time of her death, she had £250,000 in the bank, and she lived in a £650,000 flat. Wow, okay, yeah. A little bit more than this 24 grand a year job then. And it is a bit of a mystery as to where she got the money from to Mm. purchase a flat, uh, to have the money in the bank. And she led a really nice lifestyle. She shopped in Harrods. She wore Cartier jewellery. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely a question mark Mm. around that. Even if she was a high class class escort, how did she earn enough? Maybe one of her men bought it for her or bought her the place or something. Yeah, she could have been a mistress or something. So what we do know for sure is that it was this line of work that led to her untimely death. So how did Carol's life come to an end and who was responsible for her savage murder? Carol was last known to be alive when she boarded a train from her native Durham to London on the 9th of April. 
She had been to visit her family and, although she wasn't totally honest with them about her life back home in London, they were close. So, by mid-April, when her family had repeatedly failed to get hold of her on the phone, they would normally speak several times a week, the alarm was raised. Carol had seemingly vanished into thin air, and it wouldn't be until four months later, when her rotting corpse was found in the boot of a Volkswagen Golf in a garage in South Malden, that the mystery of her disappearance would be solved. It's always so sad, isn't it, when someone just goes missing and... Especially that long, like, not to get answers, being her friends and family. I think it's really sad, but then I also think, you know, if you look at something like Claudia Lawrence, someone like Claudia Lawrence, her family's still not got an answer and she's most likely dead, but what what happened to Mm -hmm. her? And they don't know that for sure, so there's always that element of uncertainty, at least in this case. Her family had a period of time where they didn't know what had happened to her, but they did get an answer. Mm, That is true. After Carol was reported as missing, police quickly discovered that she had been advertising her services on a number of websites using the moniker Posh Totty Fun. On the website Adult Work, she described herself as not a professional, but an enthusiastic amateur. (laughs) And she said that she was interested in good, clean adult fun. It was through one such site that she met a man called Rakesh Bayani, a 41-year-old married father of two from Wembley in North London a man with a dangerously out-of-control gambling addiction. Perhaps Carol saw something of herself in Bayani. After all, the two were essentially leading double lives. Carol, the respectable former oil exec turned prostitute, and Bayani, the loving husband and father, secretly gambling his way into an abyss of debt. Whatever the attraction, shortly after meeting, they began a relationship of sorts, and Carol lent him £40,000 in February 2011, and later paid £12,000 for him to receive treatment for his gambling addiction. Wow, so she's a generous person as well then. She really was, yeah. Mm. Bayani was a consummate con man and a fantasist. He had a string of previous convictions, and he was forced to quit his job at a firm of accountants when he was caught fiddling his expenses fiddling his expenses Mm. (laughs) so he twice mortgaged his parents home and spent the proceeds on gambling and in the grip of his addiction he tried to persuade the manager of a betting shop to let him lay a hundred thousand pounds in fake cash on the result of a premiership football match When the bet was refused, he put all of the counterfeit money on the American golfer, Phil Mickelson, to win in the final round of the 2012 US Masters, and he lost. In all, Bayani had made 14 previous court appearances for a total of 95 offences, the vast majority of which were fraud-related. It's a very much competent con man. Mm. Carol was aware of his chequered past, however, at one point writing a character reference which was read out to the jury at one of his many trials. In it, she referred to him as one of the good guys, and when he was subsequently sent to prison, she did visit him regularly. To Carol, at least, this was a pretty serious relationship, a relationship that she was obviously committed to. This was all set to change, however, when, in April 2012, Carol demanded that Bayani repay the £40,000 that she had lent him. This demand would ultimately sound the death knell on Carol's life. On the night of the 16th of April 2012, Bayani fatally stabbed Carol in the neck while they were both at her flat in London. After he murdered her, Bayani recruited a man called Nicholas Kuttner, 48, a career conman, to join him in his plot to strip Carol of all of her assets. While her family appealed for help to find their daughter, Bayani and Kuttner recruited a number of women to pretend to be Carol 
and siphoned money from her accounts and cards. This is so horrible. She was so generous and really tried to help him. Yeah. What twat. They sold Carol's jewellery and furniture, and one of them even posed as Carol's brother Chris in an attempt to sell her flat. When this failed, the pair decided to pull off one last desperate con, which involved renting out the flat to multiple tenants, all of whom they collected vast deposits from. When two of the tenants arrived at the flat to move in on the same day, they realised they had been the victim of a scam and alerted the police. And so, Bayani and Kutner were caught, and it wasn't long before Carol's body was discovered and the pair were charged with her murder. In court, both men denied murder but admitted perverting the course of justice and they admitted conspiracy to defraud. The court heard how the proceeds from the pair's asset stripping of Carol's belongings had disappeared in a blaze of excess. Bayani had booked himself into lavish hotels such as the high-end number 5 Cavendish Square in the West End of London and he also lost thousands on roulette tables across the city. I was going to say I bet he gambled a load of it. I think most of it was probably gambled, yeah. Kuttner had also blown thousands on staying in exclusive hotels such as the Hilton on Park Lane and he also spent money on hiring escorts and gambling as well. So what a pair they were. I bet as well, like, she probably would have, like, given them... Well, I don't know if she would have actually, because she paid for him to try and go to gambling, like, rehab. But she probably would have, like, had some fun with them. They didn't have to kill her and take it all. Yeah, and she'd already already lent Bayani £40,000. And I think when when I'm saying that she sort of demanded repayment of that money, I don't think it was necessarily, I want all of that money back now. Mm. It was probably, we agreed when I lent you that money that you were going to pay me about 500 quid a month. I've had nothing for a year. When am I going to get my money? Just a simple question. It's not that bad. Bayani told how he had begun a casual affair with Carol and claimed she had agreed to disappear from the country so that he could carry out various frauds using her name with Kuttner as his accomplice. Well, if that's going to be your defence, where is she then? Well, exactly. Bayani's story was exposed as a pack of lies in court and he was found guilty of Carol's murder and ordered at the Old Bailey to serve a minimum of 27 years. He was also sentenced to six years for perverting the course of justice and six years for conspiracy to defraud, both of which will run concurrently with his life sentence. Which I never knew what that really meant until Mm. about a month ago. And it means that it just kind of runs alongside. So it's not like you're sentenced to a minimum of 27 years for murder and then six years for defrauding someone. So that's on top. They run at the same time. So you're out for 27 years. Yeah. Oh, so you're basically not getting anything extra for that. Basically. Kuttner was cleared of murder but found guilty of perverting the course of justice by concealing Carol's death. He was jailed for a total of 13 years, seven years for perverting the course of justice by concealing that death and six years for conspiracy to defraud. Mr Justice Wilkie said the murder and subsequent dumping of Carol's body was done with greed, callousness and a total lack of any regard for her. He said the murder had arisen out of an argument about money and described the victim as a risk taker and manifestly vulnerable to con men. He said without a second thought you calmly and comprehensively set about stealing her identity. Following sentencing Carol's brother Christopher Woff 55 said they will sleep easily in their beds as they showed no remorse at all. Mm, that's so sad for a brother. Maybe this could be one to be featured on the No Remorse podcast. Mm. I, he said, I just can't envisage any human being treating another human being like that. 
He described the police's handling of the case and said it had been frustrating. He said, right up until July, the police did not take our concern seriously. Detective Chief Inspector Justin Davis of the Homicide and Major Crime Command said, Carol Woff's murder was the senseless killing of a woman who put a trust in people she thought were her friends. Bayani is a confidence trickster who murdered her with the sole intention of stripping her assets and the belongings she had worked hard for. Very sadly, five days after Carol's funeral, her mother collapsed and later died. Mm. And her family said that was as a result of a broken heart, which I can absolutely believe. Yeah. I think it was just cruel what they did. Mm. It is difficult though, isn't it? Because like her brother's saying, the police investigation wasn't really good enough and they didn't look into it and take it seriously enough. But this is the issue that we see time and time again is as an adult, you are more than allowed to go missing. Like you can disappear if you want to. And like with the Andrew Scanlon case that we covered right at the beginning, it is it, it is very difficult. You can appeal for someone to come back and you can investigate. But if there are no real leads for the police to follow, I mean, not, I'm not saying that the police are always perfect, but it is very difficult. So I think with this case as well, what made it probably a bit different is I didn't cover it because we wanted to be a bit briefer this week. But um, the police did see that her cards and her account was being used. Mm. So they did get on to Bayani and Kutner pretty quickly and they did arrest them for fraud initially. Mm -hmm. They didn't know that Carol was dead at this point. So um, they did then find Carol's body and ultimately that led to them being both charged with her murder. Oh, that's a really sad case. Yeah, it is mm. really, um, so not a Christmas-themed one and quite yeah. a sad one. I mean, everyone who listens will love this, but you didn't do a Christmas one, so fuck off, Mark. Harsh. Yeah. Well, mine's Christmas-themed. Right, good. And mine also has a bit of humour to it. Really? Yeah. In like, true crime? I actually think you will find it a little bit amusing. I'm not going to say funny, because it is ultimately true crime, but... There is a bit of humour to this. Okay, I'm intrigued. I hope so. Merry Christmas, everybody. I wanted to do this because doing research into Christmas time crimes in the UK is fucking depressing. So there's domestic abuse galore. Drink driving is, of course, up there. Alongside drink driving is alcohol fueled fights and street violence, especially outside of the pub. Also, loads of people end up stealing, either because they don't have the money to buy things for their family that they want to, or because they got themselves into debt because of Christmas. I think there are quite a lot of robberies at this time of year. Bank robberies, big robberies. Mm -hmm. And the number of burglaries in the home goes up as well, because people have got gifts in, and people know that there's going to be some high-priced items around. Um, Stalking and harassment increases around the Christmas period. That I find weird. Well, people are trying to rekindle old relationships or feeling particularly lonely, Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe you've got a bit more time on your hands to go on social media, yeah. stalk that ex. Or you might see them because they don't generally post something, but then they've posted a Christmas picture and you remember that you wanted to stalk them and follow them home and shout at them in the street. Who knows? And it goes from crimes like that to things like people skipping out of restaurants for meals that they haven't paid for. I always find that a particularly naughty crime. That is because such a naughty crime. Na- I mean, it's, you know, probably not as bad if it's a big chain. But it's still not good. Mm -hmm. But I think if it's a privately owned restaurant that's someone's business, they need that money. Yeah. So I decided instead of that sort of thing where, you know, they are quite horrible and I don't want to talk about someone drink driving, it's sad. But please don't drink drive, listeners. Um, I've chosen a case that made me laugh at the time. What that says about me, I don't know. And it was one that I saw lots about because it's from Wiltshire and it's from a place that's close to where I live. 
So our story of Lee Mapstone begins in 2014 when he stole a number of perfumes and was arrested. This sets the tone for the kind of man that he was, is. In July 2015, he was given a six-week jail sentence for stealing a number of items from a co-op shop. Lee was from Penhill in Swindon and he pleaded guilty to the theft of around £200 worth of meat and cheese. Now, I'm not saying anything good about this, I promise, but £200 worth of meat and cheese, that is my kind of party. (laughs) You'd have probably been buying it, wouldn't you? Off him? Yeah, probably. Um, He'd also stolen some shampoo from the co-op over like a two-week period. How weird. Like loads of bottles of shampoo. That's probably quite easy to sell on. Yeah, I think he probably was. Like a quid a bottle or something. Yeah, Yeah. so he had to pay £200 in compensation to co-op as well as court costs of £180. And he had to pay the Crown Prosecution Service £85. A victim surcharge of £85 was added, bringing the total that he had to pay up to £545. He was also ordered to attend rehabilitation over the following 12 months. This isn't the funny part of the story. The next section of today's case was when, on Sunday, September 24th, 2016, Lee Mapstone kidnapped a woman and held her hostage with a knife at a property, again in Swindon. In this incident, he stole her ring and her bracelet. Not only is this a crime in itself, but he was also going against the conditions of his bail from his previous crimes. This also isn't the funny part. Please I was going to say, please don't yeah. tell me this is the funny bit. Here it comes. So, after a tip-off from a friend, Lee went on the run from the police before they could arrest him. And this is when it gets amusing, but I am definitely not saying that wasting police time is ever a good thing. However, I feel like it will tickle our listeners a little bit. He began playing a game of online, in inverted commas, hide-and-seek with the police. He posted selfies that taunted the authorities. His friends, family and even strangers online encouraged him and enjoyed his antics. He was described in the press as a brazen fugitive during his time on the run. And here are some highlights from the beginning of this saga. I think there is something to be said about when criminals taunt the police. Mm. And I think we covered a case, I think it was the Securitas robbery. One of our earlier episodes, mm. it might have been a Patreon episode. That was a Patreon Was one, it yeah. Patreon? It was a great episode. And they taunted the police a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can't help but laugh, really. As serious yeah. as the crime is, unfortunately, the police did catch up with them eventually. Mm-hmm. What they did was really, really funny. That's the thing. I don't want to... I don't want to say it's hilarious because they are wasting police time. But it is pretty funny. But they're not, the police have a good sense of humour yeah. because I've seen things like Twitter feeds, Instagram feeds mm-hmm. where police forces have put really funny comments yeah. on. So I saw this brilliant one where someone had, um, they'd obviously found like a cannabis farm or at least like someone's weed stash and they put something like um, pretending to be really into it. So like, oh, we're really sorry. I think you might drop this. Just pop down and we'll, pop, we'll hand it back to you. And I just thought, oh, well, if you're stupid enough to fall for that. I love all that. Yeah, no, I do agree. So Lee started sending postcards to the police station. This is called Gable Cross Police Station. And one of the postcards read, I hope you lot are having a great time because I'm having a great time in London. Lovely Mapstone. Um, Another said, I want them to know that I'm having a great time and I hope they're looking for me. I can walk past offices in London and they don't bat an eyelid at me. How? I just don't know. He also posted on his Facebook page while he was on the run Um, And he kept on taking photos of police stations and posting them. I think I vaguely remember this. Uh, I don't really remember the case, but I remember someone doing mm, this. I might have told you about this, to be fair, at the time. Might have been. Because we would have worked together at this point. 
So he took pictures of police officers on bikes and uploaded those as well and said things like, I feel fucking great that I'm having fun with them. Life's good at the moment. I've been partying hard, go out clubbing, been back to Swindon a few times, just doing day-to-day things. I thought it would get hard as my face been all over the papers, but it hasn't. It's been great. We shall walk around like I ain't wanted. It's fucking great. Fuck the police. Fat lazy cunts that keep doing what I am doing on the run. I'm hoping to go and visit the France, as I have said, bro, and I will be moving up north anytime soon. I am reading these as he I was, wrote I was them, by say, the you, way. I actually done a really good job of reading it because it goes against the grain. It's so it's not. It's not very eloquent. And I think that's the first time we've said oh, on this podcast. Oh, is it the first time? That upsets then. me yeah. a little bit that I was the first one as well. Yeah, at least it was in context. Sorry, Auntie Debbie. Jesus. Mm, She's probably going to kick off at me. It was things like... Um, Fucking filthy potty mouth. <laughs> things like when he said i'm going i've been back to swindon a few times but he said like through times i just oh it was this so is difficult. someone who probably didn't have a great education mm. i'm guessing if yeah. you're stealing shampoo and selling it down the pub for a quid a bottle or yeah. something he posted pictures of himself outside buckingham palace oxford circus and in chinatown in london he even took a photo outside london's paddington green police station on november the 10th and said i was gonna hand myself in but had a change of heart He's like so naughty. He mocked Wiltshire police by saying they were shit at hide and seek. <laughs> and he continued, I will keep running, lol. It's all fun and games for me, lol. And he called the police fat and lazy and continued to take pictures of them in London. He shared a snap of six uniformed officers standing next to marked motorbikes saying all they do is eat donuts and drink coffee. He took a photo of New Scotland Yard and wrote, thought I would pop in with Brendan to say hi, but they're fucking shut. Probably sat about eating donuts, lol. He also shared a picture of an armed police officer that he entitled Barbie Girl. And under the picture of Chinatown, he said, Having a great time in London. This is Chinatown. Wicked place. Love it. Being on the run, seeing all this. Safe, bro. What a freak. I can't even say safe, bro, without laughing. Um, as a caption for a picture of a road sign outside a police station, he wrote, was in Swindon yesterday with Brendan, and just to let them know, I'd done a flying visit and took these on the way back to London. Fuck the police. Now, this does sound amusing, but he was a dangerous guy. We can't forget that the crime that he'd most recently done was holding a woman inside a home with a knife. I think if it was just the shampoo stuff and the yeah. meat and cheese, you know, you'd kind of be like, God, this guy's got a sense of sort of inflated ego, mm-hmm. thinking the police are running all over town for him. But yeah, the fact that you, you actually kidnapped someone, that can carry a really long custodial sentence. Yeah. And she's probably traumatised from what well, he did. exactly. And he stole her stuff as well, so... Yeah. The police actually warned the public not to approach Lee, and they said this is not a joke. They said he was incredibly dangerous and they released descriptions of him, warning the public. Mapstone, described as white, six foot tall and of medium build, has a tattoo of the name Tracy on his neck and has a heart tattoo on his right arm. If you do see him, please do not approach him. Instead, call 999 immediately and give his exact location, description of clothing and any items he may be carrying. The police said that they were seeking the public's help to locate the man as soon as possible. So there were plenty of posts on social media from the police. A bit like we said, they do have their Facebook pages and they were asking people to look out for him. And Swindon and Wiltshire in general was divided by people who were fans of his and left comments such as the police couldn't catch a cold, let alone a fugitive. On the other hand, there were people who were not fans of his and found it quite funny. As much as I think he should be caught, this is hilarious. 
laughing face with tears emoji, standard fail from the police. And then you also had people who knew him, but weren't his biggest fans, calling him cocky and sort of slating him. One of the comments that I found hilarious on Facebook was someone who said, the bloke is probably flying around the capital with ears like that. No wonder he can't get caught. Hashtag Dumbo. Harsh. I know. Have you seen this? I know you're not really a social media person, but recently there have been so many things going around where the police have shared like a a mugshot of somebody and then they start taking the mickey. The police start taking the mickey. Yeah. They do it really tongue in cheek. But, like, that sort of thing. See, I don't like anything like that. Any kind of trolling, whether it's from the police, mm. whether it's tongue-in-cheek. I just... I'm really against it. Really? I think it's like bullying, yeah. See, I don't Even think... though it's against a criminal. Really? See, yeah. I, I find it funny. I wouldn't if it was about me. If someone started saying stuff about me, mm. I'd probably be really upset. But, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're being particularly horrible. No, I don't think it's the end of the world. I just sort of think... Oh, you're a nicer person than me, I'm then. a very nice person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's... We're both nice people, Christmas though. Christmas spirit. Yeah. <laughs> so Christmas soon approached, and friends called Lee Soppy when he posted photos of the Christmas lights near to Oxford Street late in November. He then began thinking about Christmas, as I'm sure we all are by the end of November. He bought himself an advent calendar and some Christmas cards to write and send. And as I am sure you'll be expecting, this wasn't like you or I would choose to do... He sent the Christmas cards to the police. I was just thinking, yeah, yeah, I bet the police were at the top of the list. They absolutely were. So he wrote to the inspector who'd released the description that I read out earlier and said things along the lines of being 100% confident that he would spend Christmas on the run and, quote, I hope you have a very Merry Christmas because I certainly will be, mate. Anyways, got things to do from your pal Lee Mapstone. <laughs> He said he had plans to visit France and Manchester and he included even more holiday snaps and these Christmas cards actually made the front page of the local newspaper. He apparently appeared on TV claiming he was going to spend Christmas as a free man because he'd done like little videos of himself. He posted a selfie doing the John Cena you can't see me pose. Do you know what I mean by that? No. Like, he does, like, a hand movement in front of his face oh, and it's okay, to do with, yeah. like, wrestling. Yeah. Um. So he'd done that as well. The next part really did make me laugh. So he bought this advent calendar. It was a Peppa Pig chocolate advent calendar. And he started posting pictures as of the 1st of December, aimed at the police with the caption saying, I'll post a daily picture of myself opening my advent calendar because he knew he didn't enjoy Christmas out of prison. So each day he took a picture of himself eating his advent chocolate. He said, I want them to know I ain't coming to hand myself in anytime soon. They're going to have to up their game. With how they've been so far, I'm 100% confident that I can get through this Christmas. Happily for the police, but unhappily for Lee, he did finally get caught. I think he must have just got too cocky. It's almost like he wanted to get caught or he wa- he wanted some sort of infamy. Yeah, definitely. On December the 6th, so oh, he really didn't get very... I'm a bit gutted. <laughs> he didn't get very far through the Peppa Pig advent calendar. He was arrested at his home in Swindon. A family member, I think it was his son, from reading the quote, but it's difficult to know for definite who this person was, they posted on Facebook, just letting everyone know he got arrested tonight. He had his fun and all he's ever wanted was to have his face on TV and he made it. It was all fun while it lasted... Three up my dad, fuck the scummy piggy, love you dad. 
Oh, she's done it again. So, yeah, but I, I didn't say this. They mm. said it. This is the kind of people they are. Yeah. I wouldn't put that on my Facebook. No. I'm actually wondering if I should get you to just do a little bleep over that oh, word. We could, I could do jingle bells over that. Can you do, yeah. I'll can try. you please retrospectively do jingle bells over it? If you're hearing this and there's no jingle bells, I apologise again for the Then I couldn't words. be bothered. Then Mark couldn't be bothered. But if you do hear jingle bells, that's made me feel a little bit happier that some of my family listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> a police spokesman said that Mapstone had been arrested and was due to appear in Swindon Magistrates Court the next morning. Wiltshire Police said in a statement, Wanted man Lee Mapstone has now been found by officers from Wiltshire Police. He was arrested at an address in Swindon yesterday evening. He was arrested after being wanted on recall to prison for breaching his licence conditions. He was also wanted for robbery and kidnap and is due to appear at Swindon Magistrates tomorrow morning in relation to this charge. We would like to thank the members of the public who came forward to provide vital information in relation to Lee Mapstone and his whereabouts. So there you go. Although the initial crime was not nice at all, this really did make me chuckle. How about you? Um, I th- yeah, it does. And I, I, it's nice that the police have got a sense of humour, mm. I think, around it. You know, they've shown they've got a bit of a sense of humour. But yeah, he, I mean, what a weird guy. I think if it wasn't for the fact that he kidnapped that woman, it would be hilarious. But he's obviously a bit of a mm. nut job. I think it is difficult because it, de- it just says kidnapped and he used a knife to do it. Whether that is literally he dragged her in off the street or whether he just wouldn't let her get out of the room, it I doesn't, don't know. It doesn't sound like it was massively serious, potentially. I feel like he wouldn't because he'd just yeah. been robbing some co-op cheese and meats yeah. and shampoo and then he tried to steal her ring and her bracelet. I do wonder. I don't I don't know. It's still horrible and it's still awful to not be allowed out of a room by someone who's holding a knife to you. So, Is he... Um, I was once actually at my friend's. I don't know whether he listens to this, but... Uh, we'd had a few drinks and he got a knife out and we were just messing around and he gouged me in the cheek. <laughs> so he nearly had my eye out with it Jesus. and wouldn't let me leave. So, uh, yeah, second. I've been that's, there. Mark, that's not a friend. Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. That's really... When will I learn? That is not what friends do. I thought I'd cut everybody else off as well. <laughs> um, so did he, he obviously went to prison then. Yeah. And he's probably out now. Yeah, probably. I can't really find too much more about him, but I wonder if that's like a license condition or a bail condition that he can't be too over the top again. Like maybe I would say it is. I would say they're quite pro- stupid. Yeah, because they can impose any sort of conditions around yeah. Um, license. So yeah, I would say it probably is. Mm-hmm. You probably he's probably not allowed on social media. Yeah, now. that's quite possible. Yeah. When I was researching this, because I remembered it had happened, and I I remembered very vaguely, but I knew it had been around Christmas, so I had to go back onto my Facebook and saw the comments that people had posted and posts that like friends had made at the time and it, it did make me chuckle again. I it, do feel for him that he got busted on the 6th of December. I know, he'd only just started opening his advent calendar. I feel like he could have at least got to Christmas Eve or Boxing Day. But this is how cocky he must have got. Yeah, and he was at home when he was caught, so it's kind of like... Come back to his They're going to periodically Swindon. check your fucking house. Yeah. To find you, exactly. yeah. Weird. If he'd have stayed in London, I reckon he would have got away with it a lot quick, like longer because they wouldn't have known him as well. Whereas I think in Swindon, his face was obviously well known. Mm, People just knew him. That's obviously what he wanted though. Yeah. So there we go. Very, very interesting. Chris- yeah, Merry that's Christmas, everybody. Very Christmassy. I'm yeah. glad that we at least had one Christmassy case between yeah, us. And so I think I. I think we definitely ended <laughs> on the right one because that was much more lighthearted yeah. than I didn't, poor I didn't Carol Woff. I didn't, and also like your one, I mean, if people do go and listen to the Twisted Britain episode, it is actually a really good episode and, it was good because Bob did another did a story as well, but that is just horrible. I don't. That's not what I want to think about at Christmas time. And I know we're a true crime podcast, 
but sometimes true crime can be just too harrowing. That one is really so, harrowing. Yeah, yeah. This Please is... do go go over to Twisted Britain mm. and check it out yeah. because it's it was a great collaboration we've done. Hopefully you've listened to the one that we've put on our podcast, but they've got one on there. So that is the Christmassy one. Have a listen. Mm. So we just wanted to say a massive thank you to everyone who's listened to us. This is our last episode of 2018. So thank you so much for sticking with us from the very beginning. We've absolutely loved starting the podcast and actually continuing with it. And the support of everyone who listens has just kept us going. We love getting all your feedback. We love seeing your comments. We love chatting to you on social media, getting emails. And we really hope that 2019 is just better and better. God, cheese arama. I know. <laughs> um, it, it was, though, just on a serious note, it was very humble beginnings for us back in August. So oh my God, yeah. uh, we actually phone. recorded the first episode <gasps> on Bethan's phone. And thanks to our wonderful Patreon supporters, because we've been able to purchase a, a brand new microphone, a really good one. Mm. And hopefully over the last few weeks, you have noticed an improvement in the sound quality. And once again, we've said it before, but I think we've really nailed the sound quality. It's not perfect, mm. but it's the best it's going to be. And thank you to everybody who has stuck with us really from from the yeah, very beginning. Definitely. And Obviously, you can't please everyone, but we really hope that if you have had feedback that's perhaps a little bit negative or something that you think is a bit more constructive, we really hope that we have addressed that. And we've, you know, we've had people who still listen to us, even though they've had some negative things to say, which is really nice that you actually feel like the podcast is worth listening to through that. We always take that constructive Mm. feedback on board. We're not going to fundamentally change some parts of the podcast we both swear I swear a lot I'm always going to swear but somebody did say last week I think about humour um and me kind of having a bit of creative license with Tracy Andrews Mm. where I said she was foaming at the mouth and stuff like that so you know take that on board I think yeah that's a really valid point probably do need to take it a bit more seriously and I think going into 2019 that's something we'll continue to focus on yeah definitely but generally all the feedback we get from you guys is really really positive yep so if you want to give us a review please head over to oh that was a good little little segue there (laughs) itunes or wherever you get your podcast please leave a review we do get to see all of them now uh even if it's um not on itunes so yeah please Mm. leave a review and a rating and some comments and we'll we'll take it on board come join the facebook group we do have a bit of a laugh on there we're sounding desperate now (laughs) yeah it sounds like an oscars like acceptance speech Thank you so much. I'll cut much. a load of this out. Yeah, he'll edit um, this well. All that's left to say then is for you guys to have an amazing Christmas. Merry and Christmas. And a happy new year. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. Bye. Bye.
Hi angels, it's your girl Louise Romball and I'm the host of the Open House Podcast. Therapy quite literally changed my life and sent me straight into my hot healing girl era. Now each week I share my story, the good, the bad and the downright juicy and chat with some of the world's best therapists, psychologists and wellness experts. From love, sex and dating to attachment styles, nervous system regulation, wellness hacks, hormone balancing and more, nothing is off the table. I've emptied my bank account on therapy and healing so you don't have to. So if you're ready to leave the past in the past and build the future you've always deserved, me and my favorite experts are waiting for you on the Open House podcast. Listen now wherever you stream your podcasts and I cannot wait to meet you.